Hi there. Do you want to take your understanding of the Bible to the next level? Well, today I want to invite you to study the Word of God at the Israel Institute of Biblical Studies in Jerusalem. Okay, don't worry. You don't have to go there. You can study in the comfort of your own home. At the Israel Institute of Biblical Studies, you will learn to read the Bible in its original languages, which will open up a world of new meanings for you. And you will learn about the history and cultural context of biblical events, all from a perspective that is uniquely informed by the Hebrew cultural experience, which gave rise to the vast majority of books in the Bible, of course. We know that Jesus Christ was a practicing Jew, as was his mother, his foster father Joseph, and nearly all of the apostles and early Christians. St. Paul, the patron of the Holy Family Institute and the Pauline family, of which I am a professed member, was also a Jew. In fact, a Jew among Jews, he called himself. So, if you are a Christian, or even if you are not, and you want to learn more about Jesus Christ and what we call salvation history, through the lens of the deep insights born of studies in biblical languages and culture, then please don't hesitate. Contact me today and I will give you more information about this program. No pressure, just something to make your experience of the year of the Bible extra meaningful. Many of you are already participating in the Pauline family's year of the Bible or year of the biblical word. So I hope you will take advantage of this offer. So here's what you need to do. Just send me an email at lisa, L-I-S-A, at paulinecommunityofstjoseph.org. And that's Pauline, P-A-U-L-I-N-E, community of stjoseph.org. Now, when you send me an email, just tell me you're interested in studying about the Bible uh, more deeply, and I will give you more information about how to do that. So this is my promise to you. I can get you deep discounts on this program. So contact me first, and let's get you studying more about the sacred scriptures this year. afternoon. I'm Lisa Tuggle and this is Evangelination. Evangelizing the nation for the best and brightest future of our country, our world, and our eternal souls. And let me tell you friends, there's nothing more important than that. Continuing today to bring you little nuggets of insight from the scriptures, Catholic catechesis, and my own experience of faith on the daily journey together to that promised land with you, that promised land which is life on high in Christ Jesus, I want to talk today about the eternal word. Now, uh, this concept may seem a bit mm, ancillary to your life. Maybe you are thinking something like, well, what does this really have to do with me? Is this relevant to my life? And so if you hang in here with me, you might be able to answer that with a resounding yes. This is super relevant to my life. In fact, it may change forever how I think about my life. So let's dive in. First, what is the eternal word? Okay, what a strange concept. Actually, the better question, as many of you already know, is who is the eternal word? St. John says this in his uniquely mystical gospel. Quote, 
in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Through Him all things were made. So the Word is a Him here, and without Him nothing came to be. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's uh, the first uh, chapter of the Gospel of John, verses 1 through 5. Okay, you may have heard this concept of the eternal word before, but we need to wrap our minds around this fact that the eternal word is a person, the second person of the Holy Trinity. Okay, there are three persons of the Trinity, three persons in one divine being, the eternal Father, the eternal Son, and the eternal Spirit. So we could look at it this way. The eternal Father is perfect mind. And the thoughts of the mind are invisible and intangible. But when the thoughts of the mind are spoken, then there is word and revelation of what is hidden in the mind. And we could say also the heart. And to speak a word, one needs breath, air, to make the phonetic sounds of a word. So that is one way to look at the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit breath. It's a deep mystery and not truly, you know, really describable by our human words. And that is why Jesus Christ is the Word that explains and reveals the Father's mind and heart by the power of the Holy Spirit of life and love. So, the eternal Word is the Son, and that Son became the Son of the Virgin Mary, the Word made flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you will notice in careful study of the scriptures that this incarnation of the Word in the Gospel of Luke is very similar to the account of the creation of the world by the Word at the beginning of the Bible. Let's dive into this. Um, why do we call Jesus Christ eternal Word, the Word made flesh? Because the second person of the Trinity is the eternal Word in the revealed analogical language of the Bible, which is really the only language we have for the unspeakable mystery of God. And now remember that in the beginning, which is actually the translation of the title of the first book in the Bible, what we Christians call Genesis, Bereshit in Hebrew, which means in the beginning. This phrase is the first word of the Bible. And we know that God created the heavens and the earth. And how is this done? It is done by speech, a word. God spoke and it came to be. And what did God speak? The Word. The Father spoke the Son by the breath of the Holy Spirit, and all things came to be. The Holy Spirit hovered over the waters of the primordial void, and by the breath of this Spirit, the Word was spoken, and uh, all things came to be. This is the first lesson of the biblical revelation. The Word was spoken that we might come into being, and the Ruach, or Spirit, or breath of the Lord, comes over the emptiness and nothingness in our lives to bring life. So, 
God speaks a word and all creation comes into being. And that word is Jesus Christ. That is why we can say with St. John, quote, that all things came into being through him and for him. And without him, nothing could come to be that is made. Okay, this is lesson number one of the biblical revelation of God's self-revelation to, to humanity. And it's echoed in the Gospel of St. John at the beginning. Now remember that St. John was significantly impacted by the deep mystical wisdom and presence of the pure, immaculate-hearted Virgin Mother Mary. She was taken into John's care, as we know, after the death of her son and in obedience to his last dying words when Jesus said to Mary, Woman, behold your son, and to John, behold your mother. That's John 19, 26, 27. Now, there are other reasons why Jesus said this, but we won't go into all those details right now. But what I do want to do is invite you to meditate today on this. John starts his gospel in the beginning. Uh, that's the same way that the Hebrew scriptures uh, begin, in the beginning. And he does this quite intentionally. He's a Jew. He's very familiar with the Jewish scriptures and the beginning of uh creation. So uh, I believe under the influence of the Blessed Virgin Mary, who deeply understood who Jesus was and is more than any other human being on the planet, she understood and influenced John's gospel. So it's a really beautiful gospel to read for that reason. So through Mary, through John, we see this profound connection between the Word of God at the beginning of creation and the Word of God that is continuing to recreate the world and all of us, all of our lives, even down to the smallest detail of our daily lives and concerns. Every smallest detail of your mind or thoughts or heart. See, and that Word of God is powerfully and profoundly Jesus Christ, the eternal Word made flesh, available to you. Reach out to Him. He can change your life. So when the Eternal Father spoke the Eternal Word, that is the Son, life and goodness and the truth of God's infinitely beautiful, creative mind came into being. And this is the first lesson of God's self-revelation to us. Remember, uh, we need revelation because we live in a post-lapsarian world that is after the fall into sin of our primordial first parents, which could also be seen as an analogy of what we all experience as human beings, made in the image and likeness of God and with Him and yet often not behaving as such or expressing that we know it or that we have this enormous dignity and majesty and goodness. So all creation happened and continues to happen today. When you woke up today, all by the power, creative power of the word. And Jesus Christ is that word made flesh. He was in the beginning with God and he was God from all eternity. And he proved this when he came among us through the Virgin Mary by working many signs and wonders, miracles that made the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and even the dead rise to life again. Who can do that but God, the Creator? So Jesus Christ is not just a good man, not just a holy prophet among many prophets. He's not just one in a long line of so-called incarnations of God. No, 
Jesus Christ is the real deal. He's the only one, the unique, unrepeatable Word made flesh, through whom we live and move and have our being. And He was and is God made flesh, the eternal Son, who took on human flesh from the flesh of the Virgin Mary. And here we have to pause to consider that this is why Mary has the title of being the Immaculate Conception. This was definitively revealed to the world through Mary's appearances to St. Bernadette in Lourdes. But it was already held by the Church through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for centuries from very early patristic thinkers who shaped the minds and understanding of the early Christians. So the early Christians from very early on thought of Mary as Theotokos or Mater Dei as mother of God, as Christ bearer, and that she had to be immaculate to be a suitable vessel for carrying the divine word and also to be a complete and fully obedient response to God on behalf of humanity. Remember, Eve was not a fully obedient woman, but this new woman is fully obedient. She had to be sinless, never having once participated in the rejection of God's authority and love, as the proud demons and apostate angels did. She was and is the new Eve, the new mother of all the living, a complete yes to the Creator God on behalf of the whole human race, and all who are born anew into Christ Jesus are born through her. Again, she is the mother of all the living, and all who are spiritually alive and who live forever in the kingdom of the divine will come to life through her, born with Christ through her. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, uh, we have uh, this account of the angel Gabriel's words to Mary at the event we call the Annunciation. Quote, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Okay, so here we think again of the Ruach, the Spirit of God, which overshadowed the primordial dark void at the creation of the world. And truly, there's a parallel here, as in the beginning, there's the Ruach, or wind, or breath of God, the Spirit. And we have the Eternal Father speaking the Word, that is the Eternal Son, into flesh in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. <laughs> so now here's the really good news, which is what gospel means and what evangelization is about, spreading good news. Here's the really good news about this. When we invite this Eternal Word to live in us as Mary did. And this is what we celebrate, especially at Christmas time, that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Well, then we become children of God in Christ the Son, fellow heirs to the kingdom of God, because Christ the Son lives in us and is identified with us, or rather, we are identified as freely choosing to be in Him. And if we invite Christ to live in us, which is the most important choice of every human life, then the great mystery of the Incarnation is revealed in us, in our lives, and we become saints, people capable of living in the heavenly state of union with God forever. That heavenly state can start 
a little bit of it in this life. And that's what we're called to do every day is to make that communion possible and uh, reflect it and express it in all that we do and think and say. So the word was made flesh in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary and was born to walk among us in human nature, hypostatically united to the divine nature in his unique and unrepeatable person. Why? So that we might live in him. So that the word of the Father would be spoken in us to bring order out of chaos, to bring light from darkness. And so the darkness will not overcome us, but be conquered by eternal word Jesus Christ Yeshua which means God saves Holy Communion is a concrete expression of this powerful truth you know the first Holy Communion was the Blessed Virgin Mary receiving into her body the mystery of the invisible divine Godhead in such a way that the concrete expression of that invisible divine mind becomes a word that is spoken into history for the salvation and perfection of every human soul and life and of all creation. So it's a lot to think about, but as we prepare to celebrate Christmas, the holy birth of this God word made flesh at the Annunciation and at Bethlehem at midnight in the piercing cold, let us meditate on something very important, something here that may change your life entirely. And here it is. Because of the word made flesh, I'm going to ask you this question. How do you use your words? How do you use your speech? What happens when you speak a word to someone else? Does a word from you bring life? Does a word from you bring light? Does a word from you bring goodness, comfort, order out of chaos? If so, Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, who saves humanity from darkness and the chaos of sin, which is disordered affections and priorities, Jesus Christ, the Word, can speak anew in you and through you and recreate the world in and through you. It's a very generous and magnanimous offer of the King of the Universe to invite us into this creative work that is salvation creating light from darkness, order from the chaos of sin and disorderly minds and hearts, creating health and life where there's disease and death. You know, if you are suffering ill health, ask God right now to grant you life and healing. He can do it. You know, in all the scriptural passages in which Jesus healed people, he says, your faith has healed you. So we have to believe that God is the author of life and can offer new life in us. So walk in the word today, build up your faith, believe in his power, trust in his promise of loving care. You know, Jeremiah 29 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Okay, so let's live by that. This week I challenge you to watch your words. Make those words align with the eternal word that was spoken to create life and light and order and wellness and goodness and salvation. To speak in this way is a spiritual work of mercy. And that is what the Pauline community of St. Joseph is dedicated to, the spiritual works of mercy. That's why we have Evangelination uh, right now. That's why you're listening to this podcast.
So join me this week as together we try to make our speech, our words, have a lasting impact of goodness and life in those who hear us. And the best way to do this successfully is first to pray with the word. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. All right, that's all for today. Next week, we will talk about the promised land. Be sure to tune in next week and every Thursday. And may God bless you. That's all. Bye now. Thank you.